What do you do with that first-time shooter you notice who's their first competition? How do you embrace that to keep them in the competition and keep them in the sport for the next match? Yeah. How do you handle that? Well, we know how, how much pressure there is, internal pressure. Tell, tell them what we did at our first oh, ma- a match. First local match, we pulled up to the gate, and uh, the gate was shut because it was on a private range or whatever and so uh we weren't sure if it was open or not or if the match was still going on so we're sitting there looking at a closed gate going do we really want to do this i mean we uh, fresh we were green so as nervous can be, we we're so nervous green as can be really everything's no brand that. new yeah and then so uh car pulled up behind us and blocked us in and i was like well This is Brian Conley with Hunters HD Gold. I travel all over the United States meeting shooters, organizers, match directors. I'm getting ready to start asking the questions that a lot of people want to know the answers to. So sit back and listen to Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. back to Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens, getting ready to interview Mike and Lynn. And it was the first time that I had three people on the podcast at the same time with the extra headset. And lo and behold, I forgot to turn mine up. And that's just a rookie mistake. So I've learned from that. So I apologize about the voice quality from my voice. But Mike and Lynn have a lot of good things to say from Dissonant Arms. So sit back and enjoy. And thank you again for all your positive feedback on Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Today, I've got the owners of Dissident Arms, um, Mike and Lan, and got to hang out with them this weekend here at AK Masters, and lots of great information about what they're doing for the sport, what they want to um, do in the future for the sport, so I'm really excited to get to talk to them today. What's up, guys? Hey, how How's are you, Brian? Brian? Thanks uh, for having us. Doing well, doing well. So... Dissident Arms. Um, how long has that been a, a company? Tell me more. Uh, well, it, it's we've had our uh, FFL, our, our Federal Firearms License now for about five years, uh, roughly. And before that, Dissident Arms, uh, we did do some gunsmithing type work under another FFL. Um, and we were a company, but it was really kind of like a side hobby to help pay for our gun addiction, you know, so nice. to speak. And uh, it was our first sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, in 2012, we kind of, we saw some three gun nation on TV and, um, that was kind of our first introduction to practical shooting was through, you know, through a media outlets and, and, um, and TV really. And, uh, and then we were on the couch thinking, you know, man, we, we could do that, you know? Yep. Uh, talking to the guys at the gun store they're all all about shooting but no nobody ever really got out there to do it right and then so uh mike and i went to uh the freedom munitions when they opened up a store in houston and i happened to win a raffle for the noveski three gun clinic well that's when it was time to gear up because <laughs> we yeah. didn't have anything yet yep yeah and so we actually ended up um i built my first ar-15 and and 2000 and i believe it was 2012 uh, shortly after an, uh, the unfortunate sandy hook uh shooting um and there was just a, a big wave of firearms purchases and then the lagging factor of ammunition purchases and so we got into three gun um about that time whenever we had a lot of stresses of uh equipment and ammunition and it was uh kind of an odd introduction in the sense that we were um getting into to in a sport that that's uh heavily uh ammunition oriented right. and uh and then had some ammunition stresses from the beginning but uh um but yeah it's been a, it's been 
not too long of a time, but there's been a lot transpired in that and since 2013 till so, now. So this is not your first ammo crisis that you've been in before. So no, no, no. <laughs> we're at we're, so we're seeing the um you know the differences of this one, but a lot of the similarities, you know. So the pattern seems to be roughly the same, but how high is the price going to go? How long is a is are there going to be you know stresses and um, unavailable product? You know that's kind of yet to be seen, real. But yeah, cool. Well, how did y'all meet? So you know, so you, you kind of said you started off the company together. How did y'all meet? Oh shit! Was, um, <laughs> basically, Mike lived about eight houses down from from me uh, since the fourth grade when I moved over to his neighborhood. Yeah, oh, wow. but we actually didn't know each other at that time. Uh, you know, he he went to private school and then he transferred back to public school, and that's when we met. So we've known each other since the fifth grade, been hanging out since like seventh grade, something like that. Yeah. Essentially junior high, high school. Um, and then, you know, uh, we went to separate colleges, but we, Basically, we're one of the uh, friends that stayed friends and then uh, ended up having some of the same interests. Yep. And uh, and then that um, we tried to do some businesses with other associates and friends in the past, you know, that had, right, right. That, 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 you know, had different, le- yeah, different <laughs> levels of success or lack thereof success. And so um, with uh, with Distant in Arms, it was it was more like as we got into shooting um, to kind of speed forward to that, as we got into shooting, we saw a lot of guys with, with jerseys and, you know, they're representing companies and things like that. And we were like, well, how do we fit into this? Um, and we 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 had to kind of understand about, uh, you know, reached out to sponsors and things like that because we were actually using their products. So it was like, Oh, well I bought this could reach out to them. And some of them were, uh, you know, some of them wanted to be involved or at least, at least listen to us. And other ones didn't, which was fine at the time. But then, you know what we, we like literally like looked at each other and we were like, well, why don't we just make our own shooting team? You know, would, would we not, we actually said, would we not maybe at some point in time want people to wear our logo? Right. As opposed to only us looking for other people's logos to wear. Right. Um, so Distant in Arms was, was started out as, as kind of like some self-identity in the shooting uh, world as opposed to like it's this particular company to build this particular item. Very cool. What, yeah. what made you come up with the name? What was that discussion like? A <laughs> couple of beers, bar yeah. napkins. So, uh, we so, were sitting down and just talking about, you know, the state of everything and politics and stuff. And it was actually around the time of the uh, the Chinese dissident, the, yeah. the guy who defected, remember? Yeah. Right, I did. And I so did. we were like, well, that we thought about the definition of dissident and it just fit our... And then in a lot of, um, in a lot of political settings and stuff like that... Uh, you know, and in social things, I, I usually have a dissenting opinion on most things. Well, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it, it's a, it's a, I think it's a great term for saying that, you know, I'm not disagreeable, but I'm also not going to let you have your way without you understanding that I disagree with you, you know? And so, um, so I think it's important to have people that dissent against conventional wisdom, um, you know, herd mentality and conventional wisdom is how you run off cliffs, you yeah. know? And so, and Our so forefathers were the original dissidents here and for so, us. I love it. So yep. we play off I that. They were, they were, um, you know, uh, dissidents that became rebels that became patriots. Very cool. was, there yeah. other, was there other names, but that sounds like it is the perfect name. I love that. Was yeah. there other names that y'all kind of threw around or it's one of those things based on the time of that was the one that was it that yeah, was yeah. It, was, yep. it was good you know and then we added the arms to it because every company's got to be either arms armory or uh right. something along those lines <laughs> or industries right. yeah. or so right yeah so when you first got started did you start off in the ak shotgun area or what did that look like 
Uh, kind of, uh, because so early on, um, we both had day jobs and we were buying essentially our equipment to compete in. And so I had uh, bought a Vepper shotgun, which is a Russian magazine, uh, box fed shotgun, uh, uses magazines. And, um, and then also I bought that prior to actually getting into three gun. And, and then as, uh, as I got into three gun, I was, I was really drawn to open division. You know, I wanted a dot on my pistol from the very beginning. Um, and I also didn't have any preconceived notions on what gear to use or run or anything like that. And so as we got into, uh, actually going to matches, we, you know, I was paying attention to the open division qu- equipment and, you know, it was vastly, uh, you know, widely perceived as being unreliable and cer- certain kinds of, of guys running that equipment and so forth. And so, um, the evolution kind of came like as, as like I, I was into AKs and was like following them online and, right. and things like that. And then, so, um, to kind of just speed forward through like the nuances of that, it was, it was, we started doing some basic Sega conversions, which is a, uh, another Russian, uh, shotgun and rifle. Right. And we did those conversions through the local FFL that we were at, but they were not competition builds. They were just more like, um, like tactical, if you tactical, will. but we used we used premium parts that were available at the time, and then try to have a good attention to detail so that yep. we could, you know, it, it's when you take expensive parts or in high end parts and put them on a gun that's not cheap, you end up with a price point that's you have to uh, be able to justify. And so that was one of the things that we did early on was try to um, all of our stuff was. Um, not cheap, but it also was if it was a, a aggregate of the parts that were there, you know, as right. far as the price is concerned. That's right. Um, so, what was the first gun you made together? What was that? What did that look? What do you still have it now? It was uh, wasn't it the bore? Yeah. So we we took we took one of each caliber of the Sega line. So they had five four five by thirty nine, seven six two by thirty nine, a three oh eight, uh, and then they had shotguns and and twenty gauge and twelve two, two, gauge three. and a two 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 three. So, so we actually took one of each of the calibers and we converted it. Uh, into into our form essentially, and we gave them names at the time. So we don't have all the originals because they got sold. We didn't right. have, have the budget to keep them. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I'd love to hear from those guys if they ever want to sell yeah. them back to us. Uh, the most popular of that line actually was the two two three conversion we did, and we named it the Defector because it was two two three and an AK. And so, right, and yeah. then that, that took off, and a lot of people really got into. We that actually one. still sell that gun if we're able to source the parts needed to uh, build a, a Defector, which is a two two based AK with, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, a parts on it to basically, uh, make the manual of arms, you know, easier for the average shooter. And the guy that's actually a really good shooter can race with a gun as opposed to being an antiquated set of, of controls. Yeah. What the fascination of an AK to where we are with ARs mm-hmm. and where that is different totally on the on the spectrum of what i see people you know levitate to absolutely what was your why why not ars like everybody else why did you go to the ak frame was there discussions around that was there anything that you know because what 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 does that look like because you're in a time where you're right sandy hook just happened a lot of things were happening when your company got started it sounds like so you chose a platform that was pretty much in the spotlight of every politician that's right to make some you know emotional decisions which we don't agree with but that's what happened mm-hmm. so what made you what and you continue today with the ak frame what what, what was the really the passion towards ak uh, so the firearm itself 
I, I like the simplicity of the firearm. Um, it has got, you know, very few moving parts. Um, it's, you know, as far as a, a, an assault rifle, if you want to call it that, it's the most widely sold one in the worldwide, you know, um, there's guns that you see <laughs> on YouTube in Africa and uh, every corner of the earth that are AR, excuse me, that are AKs that still run to this day. Um, and so that's, was highly interesting to me. And then with, with, as far as three gun was concerned though, and, and competitive shooting sports, you don't see the AKs in there because of the, typically the rifles don't have the parts needed to bring them into the accuracy level and, and perceived and, in a, uh, per, being inaccurate. Correct. And that's what I was getting ready to go to next. Cause a lot of the perceived is that an AR is just so much more accurate. That's right. Than right. Anything else. Do you agree or disagree with that? Or would, so you know? the, the accuracy has many components, right? So we start out with the actual cartridge, right? Is the cartridge more accurate than another cartridge? Then you move to the barrel and then you move to basically the shooter's ability to execute a, a, a group on that gun, you know, so how good's the shooter, how good's the optic mounting position, how good's the trigger, how good is the stock, is your head in the right spot? All these little things add up into accuracy, so to speak. So we have, we've built a uh, two, two, three based AKs that are at the one MOA level. Now they're not sub guns, some MOA guns, but they're, they can approach that same accuracy. Um, the, the thing no about bang with an AR out to 400. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. um, and then that's like, you know, why we're here at AK masters is, yes. is there, this is a kind of like the dawn of practical shooting for AKs, in my opinion. Um, it's like the renaissance of AK yeah. industry too. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely an underrepresented section of the market. Uh, the, the, the AK guy that needs some outlet to go shoot it at targets, as opposed to doing mag dumps on Instagram, you know, um, or just shooting uh, watermelons at their buddy's land or whatever it ends up being, you know, um, we we're competitors through and through. And so, right. Um, having guns that we like and enjoy um, being able to compete at a high level has been like a goal. And then, so back to your question about, you know, why the AK, why this and that, well, the AK rifle um, still is at a slight disadvantage in my opinion, in practical shooting scenarios, but as a battle rifle, as a, you know, essentially like if, uh, you know, in the military, the, you better be concerned with a group of a set of AKs just as much as any AR 15s. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not right. going to say, Oh, well they all got AKs. They're not going to be able to uh, operate, you know, efficiently or so forth. And that's completely untrue. Now with the shotgun, the big nuance is the shotgun. Correct. That's yeah. the, that's the big nuance. And that's really what we're most well known for. There's other guys doing that's been, that have been doing the AK rifle for some time and they do it at a fairly really high well. level. So early on we we have no name, we have limited knowledge, um, limited skills, but we also have a, uh, our hunger and attention to detail that I think that as long as you uh, pay attention to what you want your outcome to be, that you're able to actually still achieve something with limited skills, resources, and knowledge, so to speak. And so the AK shotgun, I bought one and I alluded to earlier, a Vepper shotgun. Right. And after kind of getting into three gun, messing with the Vepper shotgun, some, you know, I saw other guys in, in the industry that were building on different platforms. Um, like, um, uh, Sega based shotguns, uh, Benelli's with long tubes on them. There's even some Benelli's with a turret style system on them. Um, there's also some Turkish imported shotguns that took ma uh, magazines also. Um, <laughs> and Lan will, Lan will tell you, I bought one uh, of, everything. Of, of everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah. So after being able, after having a chance to shoot a lot of the different styles of, 
open division shotguns um, through you know purchasing them myself or building uh, building them from from parts available in the market. I, I realized that the, the guys that ran what they had were really good at that particular gun, as opposed to it being like this is a gun that anybody could pick up and run at a high level. Um, watching Russian IPSC shooting uh, and you know other IPSC shotgun shooting around the world, right. they um, uh, were dominated by box-fed uh, AK-style shotguns, and it was they were clear winners. And there wasn't like oh well they're giving this up to. Uh, because that's all they have. Or if they had an AR, they would shoot it. AR-based shotgun, they would shoot it over an AK-based shotgun. Well, the truth is, is there really are no AR-based shotguns. They're tube shotguns with um, kind of like dressing on them to look like an AR. Right. And they, they absolutely are not AR shotguns. And, and, and depending on... W- where what country and who built the gun they have different levels of reliability uh, then the benelli's they're just um tube shotguns that long just are uh, cumbersome let's say right and there's only uh, you know one master jerry uh his obviously not a benelli but a tube style shotgun mossberg he's a master at running that style shotgun you know um having other people take that gun on and compete at a high level was a big mountain to climb so things kind of moved away from that and kind of pushed back into well you know if the russians can do it you know we should be able to do it but right. but you know nobody wants 10 round mags in the united states right nope. land nope not yeah. at all have you had a chance to talk with jerry about your shotguns just a little side note has that ever had been a conversation so tell him about our first competition with second competition yeah maybe. second major, competition major. we ever went to was a uh, nordic tactical shotgun we shot with uh with the whole mitchell clan um and as soon as he saw Mike's shotgun well, so it was a competitor shot or not really a competitor but it was a shotgun that i bought at the time that was a sega based shotgun well, you right. put enough hours in it to make it your so, own so he knows <laughs> I, I, I spent i put down my you know forty five hundred dollars at the time and i got something that just was just was unreliable was without so, going going yeah. into the details of it it just was not forty five hundred dollars worth of product um i bought it thinking it was going to be the thing to propel me to the next level as a shooter isn't that the one that chipped your tooth with a broken yeah handle? yeah yeah <laughs> this sounds like an interesting story what i'm gonna what happened there so you, I, I didn't know you should tip your well so listen so back, back up I, I, I had a vepper in the closet but there's no parts to make the vepper uh uh competitive okay okay and then i bought the other shotguns and went through those. And then it said there was a guy building a box fed, uh, Sega shotguns. And, uh, um, you know, some guys were running them at a high level. Uh, and I was like, well, maybe that's what I need. That's what's kind of hold one of the things holding me back. I'm a, I'm a gear guy. I like good high end gear. And so I, I put down my money and bought it. And when it came in, it just was not what was sold to me. Okay. And so after having many discussions with the builder and just, you know, um, being unhappy with what I currently have, I, he'll tell you within like three weeks of having the gun, I had the entire gun apart on the kitchen table and I was yelling at it. <laughs> why, you know, why won't you work? You yep. know what I mean? This was before the beer session that yeah. created dissident arms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're already moving definitely on, <laughs> down nice. the road to dissident arms, but nice. the, uh, but you know, it was like, I, I know, I know in AKs we'd built some Sega based shotguns before, but they just weren't competition builds. And then this manufacturer, he had these parts that made it into a competition based gun. Right. So I was like, well, if he builds them, let's just buy one from him, which is what I did, you know? Um, and so, uh, I'm, I'm a guy with attention to detail. I'm not quite a perfectionist, but at the same time, I understand certain things got to be a certain way. Otherwise they can cause problems. And I just immediately saw some items that could, could definitely be improved upon. And just those small little changes I made increase the reliability of the gun. And then that just became an evolution and, um, 
you know, evolving what it takes to take a cartridge, yep. 12 gauge cartridge, which is not meant to stack on its side. It's not meant to shoot, um, in that way, especially in large capacity magazines with underpowered ammunition, which is what everybody wants to shoot in, in, in practical shooting, you know? Right. So, yeah. So basically this is the, the second Nordic tactical shotgun match. He goes back to it yeah. to compete, right? right? So he has this gun and he's, he's fixed up everything except he didn't pay attention to the left side charging handle that the guy installed. So as he's shooting on a tower, boom, 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 something happens and he feels something smack him in the face. So finish that story. (laughs) So yeah, the the charging handle broke off and I was shooting, uh, they have a tower up there. They all know about the tower that they shoot from. And I was shooting at a weird angle down and the the charging handle broke off the left side and hit me right in the mouth. And And I felt like something punched me. And, uh, and then I could feel like a little piece of my tooth in my mouth, you know, but I'm still in the middle of a stage, you know, and I'm shooting pretty well. And so I'm like, I have to finish it out. And then I was like, I, I didn't want to run the gun dry cause you can't charge the gun without a charging handle. So I had to like, oh, stress, I didn't, just, I, stress just, yeah, I didn't in. know where I was in the, in the magazine either, you know? And yep. so I was able to keep the gun hot and, uh, and finish the stage if I remember correctly. But I, I even had another trigger problem on, at that match. So let's just say that like, a lot of things, the gun I'd made reliable, but a lot of things started breaking on it at that time, you know? And so, um, and then there, where's the replacement? It was the guy that had already written off essentially, you know what I mean? So, um, so what happened was, is that a lot of things kind of like pointed back to our, the Vepper shotgun that was in the closet. And then that got pulled out actually at the next match. Um, because I tried to, I, I, I fixed my, my, uh, my Sega base shotgun took it to the next match and then started having another variety of problems with it. Is that a, uh, and so that I had a Vepper gun in the car with like essentially no parts on it. I think I had a screw on comp and an external choke that I could, I bought that would sure. screw on it. I went and got the Vepper out of the car and was able to finish the match with it. And then from then on, I, I've shot a Vepper base gun. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. that was the same match where Jerry and were people asking about your, shotgun as well yeah. uh n- not that particular one but so so we, we've been able to squad with jerry many times nice and, and so and it's actually i we we used to always try to try to squad with the very best shooters that were in our division at, at a particular match and that was one way that we were able to you know watch somebody that's really good shoot and then if it was you know a squad with a couple of them you know bonus or whatever and uh and then, so we were able to learn a lot from Jerry and, and, and until you become, you know, a, a little bit of a competition threat, you know right. what I mean? Right. And, and then, and then, it, then it's more of like a, uh, uh, you know, a camaraderie as far as competition is concerned, not yeah. like, like, like there's some guy that can never beat me that, well, that, that, le- that, that leads has, another that story has some interesting Jerry, gear. Though. What's you know? funny is, so we were shooting at a stage at another uh, shotgun match with Jerry and uh, he sees that. Mike was able to edge him on a couple of stages or get close to him. Right. So the very last stage of the match, we were walking through plans and stuff like that. And Jerry was keeping to himself doing Jerry. Right. And so we all came up with a pretty slick plan. Right. So what we thought was we execute the stage plan. Everybody does well. And he pulls the old Wiley veteran trick and he leans over and gets an angle that none of us sees. And he shaved off a few seconds. Yeah, he, he, shot looked, a du- he pulled a double. And we looked at him and we were like, you didn't walk through. You didn't do that through your walkthroughs. You didn't show it to anybody. He goes, he goes, you got to keep some stuff in your pocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So he's been a, 
you know, a, a friend on the range at least, and oh, yeah. and and a good competitor for for quite a few years now. Since since the beginning of Distant in Arms, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually one of the reasons why I see a lot of longevity for myself and and for Lan and others that want a, a sport um, to shoot in is because he's been able to compete at a high level. Um, you know, well into his mid sixties now. Right. And then also, um, I see a lot of other guys that still, you know, they may not be as fast as they used to be and, and, and can't necessarily race for the top like Jerry can, but they still enjoy the sport. And then they still, you know, use their time and their money to, to, uh, you know, to go and compete and so forth. Right. And I'm, so, I, and I definitely want to jump back into more of the shotgun sports in a second, but let's go back into the AK match where we're at now. Okay. Because you just shot the match yesterday, how did the how did you do the match? What did you think about the match? How did everything go? The match was the match was great. The stages they put together was uh, they were very you know they were challenging enough to keep it interesting, and they were fast enough to keep everybody in it. Right? Um, there was a couple of things uh, about the stages were more challenging than others like right. the all steel stage a little bit long range there right uh more challenging for me because i shot traditional irons here um, so you shot irons out to the 148 yards they had out there. well they told me it was 148 it's actually 192 oh yeah, yeah. so they so, so the gamers are gaming that's right that's right <laughs> so they so uh those that know what the AK community looks like and and what the kind of what it's, it's made up of will know that these guys um don't shoot uh, small targets a lot of times they don't have a lot of time behind a clock so to speak and, mm-hmm. and so the balance of an AK match because we also uh, run another one out of Texas the balance of the AK match is getting getting it so that the competitors that um, that are your average AK guy uh, enjoy the stage and don't feel defeated and then the guys that uh, can, can compete at a high level uh, come out and they don't feel like they're throwaway stages and this wasn't really worth my time yep. so that's the balance kind of a, at this style of match um i think they did pretty well here. yeah i think they did well you know that's so awesome. yeah yeah that's awesome and so you know there's 160 people for a first year match you know under ammo crunches and um you know without ak's being you know in the practical shooting sense being as, 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 as big of a deal as ARs. I think it's a pretty good turnout. Yeah. Well, I, I've seen a lot of things. I haven't seen at matches before. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> to be my first AK match, I was like going, I didn't know what to expect. But, yeah. You know, you've been to AK matches before, of course, and to see how people dress, how people wear everything they got out of their tactical closet oh, yeah. and run around. Is this a light, version of that what you see here or is it pretty much been like wide open what you normally see at every match uh for the ak matches that's that's basically so it's funny oh here's a perfect analogy for an ak match it's one group of larpers that dress up as tactical guys making you know hanging out with another group of larpers who dress up as race car drivers or race cars essentially right so it's just two groups of guys that enjoy the firearms but in different uh, capacities, if you will. Okay. And then now we're bringing them all together so they can run them all under one either rule set or just, you know, a set of conditions. And everybody's finding out that this is enjoyable. I mean, this is a place to go prove your guns. Everybody likes to put their guns together on 8Ks and stuff like that. Well, now come bring bring it out here, run it, and prove it against other 
firearms. And that's cool because I did run into a lot of people where this was their very first match of competition. Oh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did you run into people like that yourself? Yeah. So we, we have at this match and we have it. So there's a limited number of AK majors, let's say, across the nation. There's just very limited number of them. But at the same time, it's something that's definitely catching on and and you know, other guys that run matches are seeing the success of, of the, of these early matches, like red October, mm-hmm. um, Kalash bash, which is the one that Landon and I are involved in out of Texas. Yes. And then the AK masters here, which is the first year match, uh, you know, uh, headed there's, up by Palmetto state. There's Kalashnikon up in, uh, Kalashnikon, another one in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but after that, I mean, it's really hard. I, I think there may be even a, a red October East or something, but after that it, it, it it's, 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 you know, and that's like not like it's nothing, but at the same but time, that, they all just happen within the last few years. Correct, yeah. right? Yeah, right. and so um, that's wonderful to hear. How Brian you- Nelson, you know, I, yes, yeah, you know Brian. He yes. he was one of the uh, the guys starting up with Red October okay. back in uh, in St. George, Utah, yep. and then that moved over to uh, Vegas area, and then you know we were like, you know, there's. It's a pretty big nation. There's a lot of guys that probably would want to pull a trigger on an AK in our area. And so we got with some other guys in the AK community that, that, um, uh, and then brought in some of our knowledge as far as competitions is concerned. We've run a lot of local matches over the years. We've shot, you know, probably a hundred major matches. I mean, it's got to be more than that, maybe, you know? And so what, what do you do with that first time shooter you notice who's their first competition? How do you embrace that to? Keep them in the competition and keep them in the sport for the next match. Uh, how do you handle that? Well, we know how how much pressure there is, internal pressure. Tell tell them what we did at our first oh, match. Shit. match. <laughs> so yeah, well, it was first our training session first of all, and then first match. But, but first local match, yeah. yeah, first local match. We pulled up to the gate and uh, the gate was shut because it was on a private range or whatever, and so uh, we weren't sure if it was open or not, or if the match was still going on. So. We're sitting there looking at a closed gate going, do we really want to do this? I mean, we uh, fresh. We were so nervous. Can be, we were so nervous. Green as can be. Everything's really no brand reason. new. Yeah. And then so a uh, car pulled up behind us and blocked us in. And I was like, well, <laughs> shit, I guess we have to do this. <laughs> so, we, so we went through the gate and there there were some people back there, you know, yeah. and we were like, you know, once we started, sh- you know, shooting, everything ended up being OK. And the rest is history, so to speak. But at the same time, we recognize how much pressure there is. Because you think you're performing, you're using gear that you may not be 100% familiar with. There's guys. Everybody's with, watching you and well, judging you. Everybody's got a jersey. Like so in your mind, everybody's a professional shooter. And yeah. they're probably better than you are, even if they're not great at that skill level. Right. And so the the the, the big thing here is a lot of people hear competition and then they, they immediately clam up. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I was wanting to know what, you know, what do you do to carry that shooter to keep them coming back. So, our, you know, there's a, definitely a flavor of it here. And, and our, our angle at Kalash Bash was to have, um, is to make it feel open, whether it's the actual competition, meaning you're on a squad shooting in, in the competition, or whether you uh, feel like there's something to come out and view, like just watching people shoot or mm-hmm. patronizing vendors, or if they happen to have what we call non-competitive shooting opportunities, which include demos, side shoots that aren't, um, uh, immediately competition oriented side shoots and just things for attendees we call them to be able to shoot so um, and we've also made it a point so like mike and i you know he was alluding to seeing people with jerseys and thinking they're professional shooters and things like that and so that kind of like 
created a wedge between between the two groups, especially the newer shooters. They're yeah. like, these pros, they don't want to have anything There's to do with this. There's a huge thread on Reddit about yeah. the pro shooters coming and taking all yeah. the prizes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, so what we, we tried to do is we made sure that we would bridge that gap, reach out to these new shooters, give them pointers. If you see them struggling or having questions, give them the stage walkthrough, give them a good stage plan that they can execute, give them, set them up for success. If you set them up for success and they enjoy themselves, they're going to come back and then they're going to remember you because you took the time to reach out to them. So yeah. we thought that that's very important. And, and, then, and that's what we try to encourage at our events and stuff like you know, that too. Be, being, being creative on your price tables to where you don't, you know, I'm an order of finish guy. If you ask me first, my competition order of finish, you know, but at the same time, I understand that uh, spreading out sponsorship and donations to, to the match kind of across the board, so to speak, is a right. healthy thing to do as far as uh, uh, giving the sponsors exposure and um, making your your customers, which are your, your shooters, they're happy and, and feel like that they're getting a fair shake, so to speak. So um, every match kind of does it a little bit differently. So I don't have to go into the details of that because I'm not exactly sure how it's happening here. Right, right. But I, I feel like that that's a, a way to to make people feel like we're kind of like all in, the, in this together, but you still have like the, the uh, you know, the, the the shit hot shooter across the nations like i'm gonna go there and still do well because there's right. still i'm still potentially gonna get a prize if i'm if i beat out the other really fast guys right but it, you do just the way the way the market's going you can't um a lot of these guys aren't expecting to walk and get a prize at a really low place which is happens at some matches you know um so if they're able to get something through some type of random draw or some type of other creative way of, of spreading out uh industry sponsorship mm -hmm. i think that that's a good thing for, uh and also uh, and on the same side of that having an order of finish that's still established for the top guys at race that right. is is healthy because um the the manufacturers of the firearms send guys to these matches to win you know right they want to win a match that they think is legitimate and was worth their time you know that's true yeah and that leads me to i had a discussion with mike sexton which should get us back into competition which yeah. i know where i want to go with this conversation okay you don't yet but you probably have an idea <laughs> all right based on us having dinner the other night is um rule set mm -hmm. so uh, the AK Masters here is using the USPSA rule set based on, you know, Chad's relationship mm -hmm. to know what that works right and everything else. What rule set is there between is it is it different at your match as well or what kind of rule set do y'all look at? It it is so so currently at um at the Clash Bash we use the URL rules which is um the United Rifle League rules under USSL. Okay. Um I've I, you know, for the most part, without going to all the details of the differences, I, I agree with the rule set. I think it works fairly well. Um, that being said, you know, USPSA has the largest number of memberships across the nation. Correct. So you can't deny their uh, how much space they occupy in the market. But to, but to be completely honest, USPSA the rule book too. USPSA <laughs> before I got deep into it, I thought stand, stood for United Practical, excuse me, United Pistol shooting association mm -hmm. or united states, states pistol, pistol shooting, shooting association we didn't know the p was practical. i was like practical what the hell is practical anyway i didn't understand the concept right right and then i also never saw a uspsa rifle match or shotgun match i didn't know that the, such thing existed right um and then after introduction to the sport we realized well they do have a multi-gun uh national multi-gun they do have um uh you know an area match that shannon was running out in area six yep. and so forth but there actually is very few representations that i know of and those can can, can can correct me but that i know of that are run under the uspsa multi-gun or their single gun rifle or pistol roll yeah, set you're you're right and yeah. that's one thing that we i talked with mike about 
in getting, you know, more awareness to get more stuff happen like that. And one of the things I, um, I talked to Mike about, and I apologize to our listeners hearing this again, but it's one of those things that's important to bring up here is if like one of the other major three gun matches like Memorial three gun yeah. or somebody else wanted to pick up the USPSA rules, could they be in a match that could be sanctioned to help choose slots for other things in the world shoot? And, you know, it brought up some like, well, you know, it wasn't really a, like, well, that's a pretty good, interesting discussion to go to because everybody's like, you know, don't, a lot of people don't go to the USPSA matches at multi-gun nationals because of the rule set. Yeah. Kind of, they, they feel that the ROs aren't trained. They know it. And the USPSA is doing some some training to get that done, to get that better, but it's a work in progress. So if you took a established match somewhere else and went ahead and used the USPSA rule set yeah. know, with the USPSA to get sanctioned and everything else, that'd be a, a, an easy way to get there because we just had two-gun nationals. Mm-hmm. And that was a qualifier, if I'm correct, for shotgun. That's correct. And nobody was shooting shotguns. So <laughs> that, this is now where I'm at, you know, well, where's a company like Dissonant Arms in here? So let's go into, you know, your feelings about having a shotgun match or something like that. What does that look like for the future in your eyes to hopefully try to get some shotguns? Very more. Very possible. Yeah. I mean, um, it's no secret, but USPSA is the um, is the avenue or vehicle by which it, uh American shooters have access to international IPSC shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three world shoots um, without COVID and without, uh, without other problems. Uh, there's a pistol. And then the next year there's a shotgun or a rifle. I forgot which the order. And then the next uh, year there's the other long gun. So, so in, as far as the world's concerned, you know, pistols, one third of the total component. Okay. Right. Um, many other countries shotgun is that what they have access to uh, potentially some mini rifles and some other things like that. But a lot of them, you know, struggle with their ability to have access to pistols. Um, um, you know, the success of USPSA in the United States is proven by how many shooters there are and how, well, it's done over the few years, but in my opinion, there's actually, you know, I think that things could double as far as involvement's concerned on the international level easily and potentially domestically and with long gun if it's nurtured in the right way. Um, nurturing it, I, uh, in, in my opinion, is just to start out by with a heavy look at the individual rule sets for the individual guns. Um, fix some things there potentially before they do the, uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> so you're talking about <laughs> f- proposing fixing each individual rule set Correct. and then melding it together as a multi-gun cohesive. Well, rule so set. the way I understand it is that multi-gun is a, is a, is a, is a aggregate of the three rule sets as opposed to like, That's correct. as mm-hmm. opposed to like, this is a multi-gun rule set. Exactly. Um, you know, just to give the, the listeners an example, if you want to hear about some of the some of the things that you don't really necessarily can't see until you actually combine it and have a match and so forth. Well, um, I, I turned three, at least three uh, knockdowns at the last multi-gun nationals. Uh, they were at like 30 yards, maybe 28 yards. I turned them 90 degrees with a shotgun, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, well, they're going to stop me. They didn't fall. There's no 45 degree rule. Right. And so they literally turned 90 degrees, which was where a pistol, it would be considered unsafe. And they would stop you. Equipment malfunction, Stage unsafe, yep. stop. Right. So I was like, huh. And I kind of like hesitated waiting for something. And I'm like, okay, I'm not hearing anything. I got a pistol in my holster. I'm grounding my shotgun. I still have a paper target to finish anyway. Right. Right. Then I pull out my pistol thinking now, as I aim at this target, they're going to stop me. Well, I didn't get stopped. 
And then I shot three of the hardest shots in my entire life. And I, uh, went fairly well. Um, and then finished the stage, shot the paper unload show clear. And, um, the RO couldn't explain to me why, you know, he could, he'd stop me okay. or why he did not stop me. Right. Um, but didn't you get three failures on those targets? I, no, uh, I, no, I shot him down with a pistol. Oh, that's right. I shot them on the edge that's right. and at 28 they, yards. And once they're shot, they're done with a yeah, pistol. And so they rules. went down. I obviously, I was able to get out of the stage, but I, it was, it was, um, it, it was a rule set that, that they were following, but at the same time, it couldn't be articulated to me what happened. Did you know, you, did you call Troy about it to have a discussion? So I did, I did. I, I briefly spoke with Nils Jonasson about it. Cause he's shot, you know, a lot of, yes, uh, is. international matches, national matches, probably a ton more sanctioned USPSA than I have. So, and he, he, he didn't really understand it either you know because of the way it was a mixture of a shotgun and a pistol scenario mixed into one and so you know i had a, a pretty lengthy discussion with with troy but i felt like kind of like the cat chasing the tail kind of thing you know what i mean right and then finally it came to it came down to if you shoot it with a shotgun it's shotgun rules until until unload show clear hmm. if you shoot it with a pistol first it's pistol rules till till the end same thing with a rifle which was very odd to me. Right. And, and, um, and so, so at the same time, um, there's also another scenario. I mean, just to put it out there, because this is the yes, way things this change. Is this is the way things change is, is that at that same multi-gun nationals, I think, yep. um, you know, we heard that a squad had found a hole in, in a stage where it had two different shooting areas mm -hmm. to where you could eliminate having to return to your That's first correct. shooting area. Not grounding the weapon. Yes. Correct. Yes, and so, literally grounding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, and so in a, if I understand it correctly, the original, uh, um, spirit, let's say behind allowing that was to allow someone that fell down to get up. It was a handicap. It was a, it was a, an exemption for handicap shooters. So that they can lay their firearm on the ground, remove their hands from them, and push themselves up. So in, so in a safe direction, with, safety on within correct. one yard. Of course. Yep. And you have to stay within one yard of the correct. firearm. Correct. But where we saw it exploited, or where you saw it exploited, yeah. was that somebody were, was able to lay that firearm down on the ground, draw their secondary firearm, and then go ahead and proceed to shoot with that. Actually fire the gun. Which I think... With another gun on the ground. I disagree with. Right. Because so, that's not a safely ground weapon. And or firearm, rather. And so they had a big, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Well, it's allowed because the rules say it doesn't say it's not possible. And right. I'm like, that's well, come on that's, now. That's, that's, okay. Because I talked to Troy about this in, in length myself. So And the way you just said, it didn't say you can't. Correct. It, it tells you the rules are there. For you know safety and what what it basically tells you what you can't. But do. as soon as another so. firearm is fired, you've completely abandoned that gun. And now what they could say is they could say, well, you can re hot reholster, so you could shoot your pistol and then put it down, then pick your rifle up again and like finish the stage. So my problem with that is like is like how is any stage designer ever going to take that into consideration? First of all, well, it was a Shannon stage, and I'm sure he was the one that was like, "Oh, they done game my stage." Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, in my, you know, I've seen two GMs argue about a perf, you know, for like hours. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I have a bit of an issue with that because there's a lot of um, nuances of multi gun that that have to be sorted out. That that at some point in time you have to say is what's the standard on the stage? What's the standard on the match, so to speak? You know what I mean? Right. So if it's if no one's done it, all you have to say is it's not allowed. Then no one else can do it, right? Right. So now you don't have to lay your gun on the ground to be competitive anymore. So what happened on that stage, which really irritated me, is that 
um, is that we heard it was going on and then we happened to be shooting with the AMU on the squad I was on. So they were walking over there, finding out what was going on. And then now they're cha changing their stage plan to, to meet that because they're trying to win just like anybody else is. Right. And so, um, you know, not to, you know, bring him in the discussion, but you know, people know about it, but uh, Joel Turner sh shot it, ha changed the stage plan to having laying the, uh, laying the rifle on the ground as part of the stage plan. Mm -hmm. Um, shot, shot his rifle backed up, shot his rifle, safety ground, safe direction, shot his pistol, shot his pistol right left shot his pistol right he stumbled away from the gun like maybe i mean again you'd have to it's so subjective like distance is subjective there's not like a laser measuring our distance at an exact point in time well the ro stops him because he got supposedly more than one yard away from his rifle right, right. i mean he was on track to to do very well if not win the match and so he got dq'd from it because he supposedly abandoned his gun as soon as he stepped you know, More one inch feet. too far. Yeah. Right. Which I'm thinking he abandoned the gun as soon as he fired a shot. That's right. <laughs> and I hate being forced to do something that I completely disagree with to because remain competitive else, in the match. Yeah, somebody right. else so I did that. I did right. that. And I'm, and I hate myself for it essentially. You know what I mean? It's not something I wanted to do. Unfortunately, it, that situation arose again at two gun nationals this year. Um, I saw it happen again. Right. Um, this time I didn't see it being as very much of a competitive advantage. I'd already been vocal and public about my disagreement of, of, of that particular situation. And so I opted not to do it on the stage and I was like a second or two off the pace, you know? Right. Um, so, but at the same time that this right stage, it can be a pure huge advantage. And, and so I, I think that that's the biggest difficulty that, that, that there's going to be, um, bringing guys like us in that are like heavy competitors that a heavy, um, shooter equity is everything. Um, having a, a, a rule set that you can trust and believe in, um, is important. And so, uh, and then also the 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 nurturing of long gun, I think, needs to be there to bring in long gun sponsors. I, I agree with that. I, I like bringing more people into the sport as well, especially sponsors to, for that, because I know it's very powerful and I know what it can do for a company to grow. What do we do? So we got area directors. Yep. They're elected to make these decisions and are actually bring it up to the board. to get yeah. decisions. So we've got to get shotgun more involved so what's the message out there that you want to give the uspsa members that are interested in a shotgun to to tell their area director what does that look like because that's really really it's it, it doesn't change from the president no yeah it, it has to go from the ground up it right does. it's yeah. got to be it's got to be and, and you you're this is something you're vested yeah. in you've invested your entire lifestyle mm -hmm. and company around shotgun and that's like me going to a match and saying well i pros not required right right well, <laughs> yeah. shit, why am i here that's right <laughs> because yeah. that, that is like because like, i've had problems with that when i go to precision rifle matches where it's not oh, required that's right yeah. and i have to educate people on how this can actually help with glares yeah and actually killing some of the um, mirage and a lot of things at distance to shoot with but that's another conversation for another time yeah right you're shotgunners yeah. you're in the shotgun world you own a shotgun company and you've got shoulder you got strapped yeah, that's yeah. right yeah um tell me more because so, where do we go from here so i mean i think uspsa is in a unique position because they they're the ones that have the access to the international community so the access to international shooting 
practical shooting is through USPSA. Um, they also should, um, as businessmen, uh, as, as those that want to see the sport grow, they should understand that there are many other guns besides their particular pistol divisions that, um, that guys are shooting at a lot in a lot of different ways. And I mean, I don't see who wouldn't want to see USPSA double in size. Right. Well, I think that's absolutely possible. I mean, PCC has been super successful for USPSA, right? Um, there's a ton of two gun shooters in the tactical community. Uh, a t- um, their uh, practical shotgun is huge in states like Minnesota and uh, Michigan. And there, you know, there's our others that, that there's a ton of multi-gunners and long gunners, so to speak on the sidelines that are not paying USPSA dues um, that would, if they had the, the right kind of matches to shoot at. So um, I think it'd be important to first, you got to speak to, we've spoken to a lot of our area shooters right. and encourage them to reach out to the director area directors. And it, like you said, it has to be a groundswell. So it has to build from the ground, but it's ultimately needs to be a culture change from the top down. Cause if the top doesn't like shotgun or anybody in the board of directors doesn't like shotgun, guess what? Right. And that's I don't not think you have to like it. And I, well, I agree with that. But, but if you, you get you, pressures from the bottom, yes. then you can change the top. You, it, you know, you I, you, I I challenge you to put out a message to your shotgunners to reach out to the area director with a consistent message. Because if Chad in area four gets 50 letters, or 50 mm-hmm. emails about shotgun, well, guess what? If Chad don't bring it up in a board meeting, Chad's... Then, yep. we, then there's a vote, yeah. but you know, that's not going to happen when people get responses, they're going to bring it up. I've, yeah. I've talked to board members about this. We don't hear anybody talking about it. So out of sound, out of mind. Sure. Yeah. And, and then that's, you know, we, you, so what do we, you know, you, what's the message you want to give shotgunners out there to reach out to their area director? I mean, what do you know that you had, this is your time to, you know, what, what, so we, we've been running a falling steel match, which uh, is shotgun friendly uh, right. because of the nature of the targets. Um, now, again, exactly how all that fits in in the USPSA rulebook. Uh, it's got to be kind of sorted out, and, and you know, and I, I could do a better job of being fully educated in the current rule set, so that I have I can do a great job of of, of comparison. So definitely not an expert on exactly what USPSA rulebook says. Right. Uh, I do know that as we travel, we have to ask. What rule set are we shooting under? Or we have to research it before we get there. We also have to ask particular questions because the, a, an RO or, or somebody involved will say, well, absolutely, that's allowed here. Where at the next match, it's not allowed or it could get you DQ'd or stage DQ or whatever it is. So, so, um, uh, but back to sorting out the rules is important. But for us, we're, we're wanting, you know, multi-gun nationals to be successful. Um, but also, does it have to be a national level event? Now that we're trying to figure this all out, can we start with a potential um, sectional championships, you know, where you the pressures of of exact RO configuration, how many ROs have to be on a stage and this and that Um, you could have just as many people at at a, a sectional match. Um, but don't have to meet the full rule set, so to speak, is the way I understand it, which gives pressures off of. If you're trying, if I'm trying to get uh, a guy in a certain state to run a shotgun match, and I have to tell him that there's, you know, all these ROs are going to come in, they're going to take over your range, and this is the way it's going to be. That's a bit difficult as opposed to being able to introduce them to a new rule set. So now, what you're telling this guy that's been running matches forever is you have to change everything that you do to conform to this. Um, 
if if you try to immediately go to the to the national level match right as, or you have to get somebody like like shannon or somebody else that's got the ability to put down a stage like that and hire them and then pass that baton to uspsa when they come in and be confident that they're going to run it in the way that you want your name on the top of that you know right. what i mean because people are going to come to you with your name out there um and with their disagreements and so forth um also potentially maybe looking a little bit higher than a sectional match at an area level match that's either um like is a straight shotgun match or potentially um this falling steel match i think it's a great way of 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 using multiple uspsa divisions in one match you could either potentially run the two, two rule sets at once meaning pcc pistol or remfire uh all on this one one set of falling steel and shotgun on the instead of one falling steel so right. as far as piggybacking on that setup piggybacking on uh uh multiple kinds of shooters at one match now the match can be profitable and things like that and so um there's definitely ways to 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 bring long gun you know into the fold so to speak uh it's just going to have to be it's just, it's a delicate nature in in the fact of do, do certain people want it to happen and if and if you don't necessarily care about shotgun or care about rifle do you want to see your your organization grow do yeah. you want do you want to add another zero you know potentially to where you're at you know right. um so land how do you feel about that you're, i see you no, i'm just switching I'm, yeah no i'm just <laughs> i'm thinking about how you know so your your question was what's the message that you need we need to get out to the shotgun shooters of uspsa and i'm kind of having a conflict here because a lot of the the issue is a lot of the people that i talk to or we talk to in uspsa they don't like the shotgun for some reason. Right. Uh, and then you have another whole set of people that love the shotgun and they wonder why it's not being used correctly. Right. So I kind of feel like the people who don't like the shotgun have never been able to utilize it to its full potential. Right. And we, and we talked about that a little bit because it's their, they, their perception is they're not reliable. That in competition, or it's just a loading competition. You know, all I got to do is load this shotgun. Da, 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 or I hear da. people talking about chokes. Correct. Which is, which is entertaining. As well yeah. And, then, and, well, and I'm also, not a, I'm not a shotgun guy, but when I get into listening about chokes, I'm like going, Oh, oh yeah. Really? <laughs> but then, well, and then to, to, add on to the choke thing it's like uh, at a uspsa match there's no clarification on how you can change your chokes or where you should do it yeah. so people are confused and like sometimes when the shotgunners talk about it they're like i would rather avoid a uspsa match with shotgun okay because their rules are so crazy or i they're not clear that i get dq'd just for touching it right so that's the whole thing i guess you have to Break the stigma of the shotgun not being practical because it definitely is a practical shotgun. Oh well, there's more, there's more, there's. I mean, if you go to a gun store now, there two things are missing: pistols and shotguns. Yeah, that's right, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. people believe that they're effective that, that, in home that, defense. That, that's Americans called, love shotguns. That is the definition yeah. of practical, in my opinion. That's yeah. right. That's right. And so, why don't you want to give these people a place to become proficient with them, so that you don't have a bunch of people with shotguns that don't know how to use them? They can actually come here, use them, get better with them. So it's like. And we talked about this too. It's the way that certain stage designers or certain matches design a USPSA stage. You don't have to put all clays out there and make people load the shotgun four or five times. If you give them options, pistol, have four clays there so they can run the whole, you know, they can only run their shotgun to nine. They can run it dry, dump it, and then go to their pistol and, and lean on their strengths there. It's... 
I think it's, it goes from stage design. It goes from stigma and all those things. And we just have to break all those kind of preconceived notions. I guess. I, and I like that. I want, I'm going to leave the, 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 the shooting sport discussion right there. Cause I want to know what's um, great discussion. I love it. I think we get a lot more people engaged in this conversation by yeah. this. So I, I want to, that's a lot of great takeaways that I know people will listen to and hopefully yeah. and take I, it to heart. We appreciate you bringing it up because yeah. sometimes a lot of people just kind of yeah. gloss over and, it or and, whatever. And that's what Hunter's HD go behind the lens is. I hear stories behind the, all the time and I want to go in there and let's, okay, let's talk about it. Let's, yeah. let's have more discussions about it. Some, some Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, and a lot of growth happens from being so, uncomfortable but, but, though but, too. But being able to go, but able to, you know, not be scared of it. And, yeah. And, and people not... People usually don't like the USPSA rules because they haven't taken the time to read USPSA rules. Right, right. And that may be hard for well, some people you, to hear. When but you're exposed. Yeah. But I've taken the RO exam, you know, and, and refreshed myself three different times. And I, I'm, I'm not a shooter. And I have failed many of times having to retake it again because, I, you know, finding it where it's at in the rule books is not easy mm -hmm. by design. But once you know where it's at, then you can explain it like yeah. your situation. And, and, then, and then most people that so. are exposed what they remember they're exposed to the negative part of it. Yes. So the, 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 the right. disagreement on a particular call right. or whatever, and then they're usually on the outside looking in. And so they don't see the, the how deep that well, can go. The multi-gun events I've been to, or the three gun events I've been to are exciting. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they're like, Oh wow. Absolutely. This, this is on point. Yeah. And you're right. We always just think about the rules and it goes right to it, negative, but I, I, they're, they're fun. I, would, I, I wish I could get into that one yeah. day and that'd be an exciting sport to jump into quickly. So Land, Land and I shot, um, went to world shotgun shoot in France in 2018, 18, 18. Right. And right. Um, Josh, Josh Frolick became the, the world champion on shotgun. Oh, wow. Uh, he should sit in arms, which is, you know, a benefit for us. Right. But you know, we, we were on a B team squad. Let's just put it that way. I shot 24th in the world, I believe. And, and we were on a B team squad and, and we were so the world champion didn't shoot enough qualifying matches to be on the team. And so the world champion was a regular U S comp competitor and not a national team member, not wearing the USB, not wearing the U S jerseys, uh, That's the, correct. not, not the divisional Jersey, just not the, the, yeah. the U S not the national team jersey. Yes. Right. The team's a very loose term at that right. level, you right. know? So, um, you know, there were 30-something Americans, 33 Americans that went over on our own dime wow. um, to shoot shotgun, okay? Um, with how involved USPSA is as far as the uh, international is we, and how many shooters we have in the United States, we could have commanded double those slots. And I could I could be overstating that, but I feel like that that is possible. Um, the we were very nervous about the way that we were going to interact with ROs and the way, what we were going to could do and couldn't do and very nervous about gun handling and changing of chokes and all that because of our prior experience at multi USPSA multi-gun nationals in the United States to our delight. When we arrived, it was actually um, very safe, very well laid back and very well run on, at the international level. Nice. Um, we were, it was a very well run event. Um, and so what one, a lot of the things that we thought were major problems they had solved with the, with with this and their ROs understood long guns they weren't um strict pistol shooters that uh, that that were just you know throwing in here to to run stages and so right. forth and uh, we had a really good experience um I believe that with proper team configuration that the the US could run the table as a team in shotgun nice 
I think that that's possible with our shooters on an individual level. It's, it's a bigger hill to climb because there's individual shooters worldwide that can really put it down. Right. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, with the right, you know, I use that nurturing, you know, with the right nurturing here, uh, in support of, uh, of, 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 you know, uh, we have the shooters to win. We right. totally do. And I, I, I was really disappointed in, in, in us not being able to take full advantage of that, uh, at the last shotgun world shoot. Unfortunately, COVID's delayed the, um, the next one because right. the pistol was up that got pushed back and the pistol was up again. And then now we don't know, we don't know if we're going to get shotgun again next year or not. So no, I think pistols 20, they push it to next yeah, year. And so, they, as long as they have the pistol, you know, then they can go forward with the next two. So That's I only it. got one more chance for I'm a senior to be on the men's open team. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I uh, you know, I want to put it down. Um, I think with the, with the right configuration of four guys, it's, we're, we're totally gold medalists. So you know, you've got dissident arms on other countries around the world. So six land continents I, in the land of the world. have sent shot guns around the world so everywhere besides antarctica has dissident arms <laughs> that okay is um you know the numbers aren't huge because it let's just face it in other countries you're in the top half percent maybe less than that you know or yeah, slightly but there's more national teams out there that shoot but they, only they, guns. they wow. at, at south the, africa at the government Thailand. level they they help help their national teams you know and i and i think that's a, has the ability that uspsa if they could expand membership, that increases revenue, right? Right, right, right. Increased revenue allows you to experience new things. It allows you to, to potentially have facilities, potentially have training programs, potentially have cr uh, cross training, and 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 actually and actually getting the team together to yeah. shoot before they go and shoot together at the international yeah, level. The, you the know? only opportunity that we had to shoot together was. Fortunately, Lucas, Lucas Oil, Oil stepped they in that put year. together a shotgun, shotgun series. series. Yeah. Right. And so we, it wasn't a qualifying series, but it was a shotgun series to where we can get together with poten other potential teammates and kind of figure st stuff out. Right. Um, yeah. If there was a, I don't know, a training program to where you can get together with all your teammates and actually train to perform like other countries do. They, I mean, it's like an Olympic sport to other countries. Yeah. And it, it is, it's a major Olympic sport, other countries, but it's also one of those things where in other countries, you are aware as well as I am, that firearms are really the haves and the, and the have. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, and, true. and in our United States where guns are readily available or is our constitutional right. That's right. You got lots of people, different people, different incomes and different backgrounds that, some people can afford to do that, and, and a majority can't. That's right, well, if, and that's okay. If the organization would support their athletes, right, then we, you could do that, couldn't you? Yes, based on you know what is laid out to how that can be done. Yeah, it's a whole new area to look sure. at as well. So. Yeah, and um, you know, and let me put it this way: if I knew that I could have the right guys go and and win with. Uh, w with us as sponsors or if another company says, well, if my guy, if I know my guy ends up being there and he's got the ability to win, I, I, I bet those sponsors would, would help that shooter get there that can't afford to, to go and shoot internationally. Yeah, you right. know, you, you sponsored some world shoot stuff before. So it's a whole nother yeah, we, area. We made of, sure that three investment. We so. made sure that three out of the four women had dissident arms, open shotguns. They did not, were not previous open shooters. So we Silver had metal team, right? Yeah. L Lanny Barnes, right. Um, Heather Miller and, um, 
uh, Vadanis. Uh, Claudia Vadanis. And then Sky, Vida- uh, Sky Killian uh, so, was so, so Sky, Sky, right. Sky shot one of her uh, Johnny Lim's open shotguns. Right. She was on the team. But the other three girls, and she's actually an open shooter before then. The yep. other three girls didn't shoot open, you know? Right. And we, we saw an opportunity to um, have the women go compete at, at, on an international stage. Um, we helped them get into dissonant arms guns. And uh, they went and were second to the Russian women in the world. Wow. The Russian women are, are, are trained and paid by their government. And the government, yes. Correct. Sure. Um, and our girls uh, gave them a run for their money, you That's know? Right. Um, That's wonderful. And so I... I, I I feel like that that there's a lot of upside for the United States, and then and then whether you care about long gun or not, um, if you're if the organization that you care about grows and 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 it has more resources, then that's good for you too. You know, I mean, it's more support yeah. for the shooting sports in general. Very cool. So, what's next for Dissident Arms? Anything around the corner that you're working on that you can talk about, or where are you at? Where you would trying to maintain, or you got new ideas coming up? Uh, we're maintaining, but there's always new ideas on the. Tell them about our, our PCC. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. PCC is huge, right? So yeah, Dissident Arms came out with a PCC. That's right. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So so it's an AK based PCC. Right. Big surprise. (laughs) It's stupid reliable. Yeah. It's stupid, stupid reliable. So for us, we we have three metrics by which we build firearms on, and and if not, we can't call them an elite uh, dissident. So we it's we have the. uh, match to match, essentially stage to stage, match to match reliability. Okay. You, we have the um, the um, the season to season durability, and then the longevity of the firearm. You know, for years on end. In our opinion, if you're going to spend that 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 high price point, that buy once, cry once, so to speak, that you want to have something that uh, a couple of years down isn't a, do- a doorstop. You know. Right. Right. Um, also, you got to have the the com- the company that is warranting and supporting the firearm has to have the ability to do so um, long term. If you're going to be at that price point, and also the competition realm. The reason why oh, not a ton of companies operate in there is because the bar is so high. The right. bar is so high. I mean, we, you know, shooters run their gear all the yeah, way to the a, edge. A, a lot of, you know, firearms manufacturers will tell you, and I don't have the exact numbers on it, but most of their guns get shot less than a thousand rounds in their entire life. Probably they get shot a couple times at the range and they get put in the safe. And then now you're once one of many guns that this one guy owns that doesn't shoot you know, tens of thousands of rounds of years where a competitor will take one, two to to, whether you have a starter and a backup or whatever it is between a couple of firearms and potentially shoot tens of thousands of rounds in a single year. Mm -hmm. So the bar is super high. So for us on the piece, uh, on the shotguns, that was the same metric and on the PCC where they are now too. So we shot 8,000 malfunction free rounds through this KR 90 elite before we released it to the open public. We didn't clean the gun. Not, not one time. We didn't brush a single magazine. Sounds Land. like me with a lot of my guns. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dustin, it, it, Dustin gets so mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and so uh, it took a little while for us to develop the parts needed to take the gun from its basic form, which is not a competitive uh, setup, right. to being highly competitive. And and in USPSA, you got to be able to rock a classifier at a GM level. That's right. If you can't rock a classifier at a GM level, then the gun is not ready ready. And so that that's that's we finally got the gun ready. It's finally there. Um, Land's been shooting it in 
some PCC only, but uh, we shoot so much multi-gun. There's a division called 2i4 now that allows a, a fourth gun. Nice. Um, it's got a couple of titles on it now. Yeah, yeah. It's good to go. And yeah. so, um, so we got Marco uh, Cabohong out west uh, shooting. Oh, yeah, you know uh, shooting I do, I do. So, Marco. so he gets all the chicks with those splits. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, he's pulling like some point nines on yeah. it, I think. I, I mean, I'm not a fast shooter uh, uh, trigger pulling wise. And uh, I, you know, I pulled some 12s on the gun and it just keeps struggling, you know? So wow. it's just the basic design of the gun. It makes for a very soft shooting and flat shooting gun. Yeah. And then plus when we put our refinements on it, it's just a total package. Wow. And are you back ordered on those right now? Uh, well, all of our guns are custom or we do have order. a lead time because yeah. we're a small shop, you know, right. and so yeah. um, so about 12, 12 weeks on those. Correct. Guns right now? Okay. Yeah. But bad. they come in the, at the elite level. They come in the color of your choice uh, like that. So, you know, a lot of people get a, get a personalize the gun. Uh, we do have a a middle of the road or potentially an entry level competition version called the comp nine. It's K O M P nine. Right. Um, it's at the 1599 level instead nice. of, mm-hmm. instead of the 2699. Yeah. Um, it still comes with the same reliability, the same lifetime warranty. You still have the same guys that care standing behind the product that are on the range with you. Um, but it's at that lower price point. And the thing is, is that any one of our guns can come from the more basic form. They can come back to us after a year or two, a season or two, one match, whatever it is, they could come back to us and be upgraded to that elite level. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So they're not like, like, like that's is done and no good for yeah. the other thing is, is other than potentially shooting rifle rifling out, um, with extremely high round count, the, the, our guns are essentially, uh, forever guns. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So we make sure that we have the parts available, um, the connections to our particular vendors and stuff on hand to be able to support the guns long term. Well, that's that's a great way to um, make dissident arms a, a great investment for the competitor shooter. That's for sure. Knowing that fact, we're the, so, we're the other option. <laughs> we're the other option, guys. Very, just so you know that. Very very cool. Very yeah. very cool. Did we anything else we'd like to discuss? We may not have talked about. This has been the office. Been- I mean, I think we hit a lot of different bases. But what do you got, Mike? I, I, I want to yeah, thank you, Brian. Honestly, because yeah. we uh, we've seen you at a lot of matches. We've seen you uh, uh, pimp out the the sprinter van here. Okay. <laughs> Tell me this. Uh, now we're going to turn yeah. this around. 101 matches. Yeah. You, oh. Sponsored. So and you went to 40 no. something? I've got, uh, if everything goes as planned, I'll, yeah. I'll do 43 matches. My man. So one thing, That's awesome. One thing we respect are those that put their money where their mouth is. That's right. Because um, we see a lot of mouths. <laughs> we oh, see yeah. a lot of mouths. And I mean, yes. and this, you know, it's shooters, shooters and companies that, alike. You yeah, see them come and go. And you know, they, they occupy a space for a small time and then they, they leave. Yeah. And so we really appreciate people like you. That put your money behind it. They travel. You put your time behind yeah, it. Right. Travel, yeah. and you're out there educating. Well, this yeah. is this is a plan to make my marriage last long. Yeah. There you go. Okay. I'm just yeah. never home. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. It's working great. <laughs> there you go. Everybody's yeah. a happy wife, happy life. Right? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. There no, you that go. is. That's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, to see you actually on the range, it's one thing. Like guys that that are um, CEOs of a particular company, they enjoy practical shooting. They're able to use a portion of their budget to sponsor whatever. We love them also, but guys that are actually are like, you know, the owner of the company, the co-owner of the company, whatever it is, the ones that are out there actually pushing their product, interacting with the individual shooters and all that, you know, that that's awesome, you know? And, and I, you know, I, 
I feel like it's starting, yeah. you know, it's been successful for you. And, and I'm glad to see that, that, that there, there's those that are doing it. Cause that's what we do. Yeah. We have to be able to, so you have to, first of all, trust your product. Right. <laughs> and then, so, you know, a year from now when somebody bought a set from you or whatever, and then you see them, um, if they were having any trouble, you're there to actually have to absorb that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're more than attentive in that situation. Right. Yep. The other thing is you can't have an antiquated product that breaks at a high level because how could you ever support that? Right. Right. So you'd have to go away. Right, or you have yeah. to just sit somewhere with a customer <laughs> service department, right? I'm gonna go back to the hunting world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, they're so, so they're not so rough. So yes. Yeah, so, so thanks for having us. We You're know welcome. this is an extremely tough uh, occup- uh, space to occupy and to uh, and to be in because of the scrutiny at, at, at this uh, kind of you know you know everybody's an a, a personality, right? Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> that's another reason why I love doing what I do. Yeah, I get involved in different scenarios every week. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, thanks for having us. Thanks for supporting AK Masters and you know all of your sponsored matches and sponsored right. shooters. Man, you know? you're so yeah. welcome. I look forward to doing your match uh, next year and yeah. coming out to Texas. Texas has always been a second home for me with Hunters HD goals. Uh, I love going to Texas. Uh, absolutely. To it, well, hopefully so. we'll, we can invite you to Dissonant Ranch over there. That so look, yeah. that looks like looks like a blast yeah. and um. We'll end it there, and thank you again for taking the time out today. Now you got to get back out there and talk to sh- shooters and get them more educated on what this is guns and everything else. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it's all about. So, until next time, thanks everyone for listening to Hunter's HD Go Behind the Lens.